Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at the Adam Driver Am- Amazon... <laughs> oh, it's <no>. dri- Driver Fest. <laughs> it's Driver Week, it's right. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Adam Driver film The Torture Report, out now on Amazon Prime. We're also going to be taking a look at the Adam Driver film Marriage Story, also starring Scarlett Johansson, on Netflix, both streaming... Both Adam Driver films. It's a big week for Off Script. And uh, excuse me if I sound a little under the weather. I'm getting over some crazy sickness thing I had yesterday. So if, I, if I'm if i rambling, blame the Benadryl. We're also going to take a look at some trailers that are coming out soon. Things you're going to want to watch this holiday season. Things to take the family to when it's Christmas and you got to get away from people. But before we get to all of it, we need to talk about the news. Our first story, the Academy is favoring consolidation of sound editing and sound mixing Oscars and their efforts to try to make the Academy Awards a little bit more interesting. The ever-elusive Academy is deciding that maybe we should cram two sound Oscars together. Andy, you're a sound man. You're a music guy. <laughs> what do you know about this? Um, yeah, p- part of the, the governor's board or the, the branch of, of, of sound Oscars are discussing about combining these two. It's one of these things, it's going to upset connoisseurs and people who know the difference between sound editing and sound mixing. I kind of do. I would have a hard time explaining it. There's a great line in this article that says the vast majority of Academy voting members are not experts in sound and do not know the distinction between editing and mixing, which goes through for the general audience as well. Yeah, there's some statistics here that they included in this big letter that they, they pushed out to sound branch members, as is expressed here, I guess, within the Academy. Uh, apparently, from 2006 to 2018, last 13 years, uh, every in every year when they've had both of these categories, there's been at least a couple of films that have been nominated for both. 62% of those have won both. 46% of those has had the same person being nominated, and a very measly 8% has had the same person win both. So outside of the same individual winning both of these awards, oftentimes more than half the same people get it right. Like the same, the same, the same film will be awarded right. these two things. So it makes a little sense. You're trying to speed up the show to kind of put them together, right? That, I mean, I yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm think, thinking. Uh, the fact that there's huge amounts of overlap between these two awards means you can probably safely combine them. And again, it'll make the show at least a little bit. Uh, shorter because I know they're always trying to find ways to get through the show. Yeah. You know, I still think they should uh, introduce that stunts or VFX award category. I still think you could do cool stuff with that. Have like big flames on stage and do like a stunt show thing. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I think I think that that would help with making it more interesting having a, you know, best best stunt sequence, things like that. I also wish that there was a place for horror but I, I do yeah. worry. I do worry that that would just turn into a kind of a. It's kind of like when they tried to make the uh, uh, what what was it called, pop film award last year, where yeah. it's just you you're accidentally just creating a second class uh, category. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm sure more to come on what the Academy pulls out for this year. Speaking of award shows, our last story before we get to the report, the 77th Golden Globe Awards have announced their nominations. Uh, The Golden Globes are certainly something to watch, uh, and we wanted to go over some of the nominees here, not all of them, because it is quite the list. Uh, We're going to stick to, of course, film to jump right into it. Andy, please, you're going to get us started. That's right. So uh, the Golden Globes divide best motion picture into both drama and also musical slash comedy. A lot of times that second category is real problematic. 
but still let's talk about the first uh, category best drama we have the sam mendez world war one film 1917 the irishman uh joker marriage story and the two popes which was an hbo film that has gotten a lot of uh, really good press uh zach what do you think of these these five noms well first off i think i should watch the two popes because i haven't heard a whole lot about it i saw a trailer on hbo but it's in here a few times uh secondly i'm bummed by the ones i haven't seen yet namely 1917 the movie's not even out yet and it's already nominated for an award which means somebody's seeing it somebody's watching it and i can't so i can't put together like a concise a concise thought if i haven't seen all the nominees here but for what it's worth uh out of the ones i've seen i would probably lean towards marriage story or the irishman um we'll talk about marriage story later in the show but that's what i think how about you Sure, I, I'm leaning towards The Irishman. I haven't seen 1917 either. I've heard really great things. I feel like Joker is a good movie. I don't think it's... And I think because it's been really popular, that's why it's on here, but I don't think it is necessarily one of the best dramas of the year. It's definitely one of the best, kind of most talked about films of the, of the year and most popular, but we, as we'll talk about later, there's other... I mean, this is missing things like, um, like we said, Parasite, uh, The Lighthouse... Lots of other things we've seen, Midsummer, things like this. Uh, but let's go ahead and go to the, the next uh, category. Yes, the next category, musical or comedy, because as we all know, there's only three ways to categorize any film, drama, <laughs> musical, yeah. or comedy. Uh, musical or comedy in this year is Dolomite Is My Name, the Eddie Murphy film on Netflix, Jojo Rabbit, the Taika Waititi film, Knives Out by Ryan Johnson, we saw that just a couple weeks ago, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino film, and Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Andy, any hot takes here? Um, I haven't seen Dolomite Is My Name. It's a Netflix film. Um, it's may- maybe I should watch it. Heard great things about Jojo Rabbit. Um, Knives Out, I love. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, to me, has actually kind of soured the long... The farther I get away from it, the more problems I start to see in the movie. There are some great things about it, and it's great to see Tarantino do his thing. But the film's kind of problematic, and I haven't seen Rocket Man. What do you think? Yeah, about the same. I should probably check out Dolomite. I've heard mixed things. That's that's what I know about Dolomite. That's the off-script review. Mixed reviews. Uh, Jojo Rabbit would like to see Knives Out. Really good. Once Upon a Time. Pretty good. Rocket Man also didn't see. So naturally, the two I'm leaning to are the two I've seen. I would hope Knives Out scoops something up. I really would. I, it feels like a long shot next to a Tarantino film. But, uh, you know, here's hoping. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, Best Actor. Uh, in, in this is for drama. We have Christian Bale in Ford vs. Ferrari. Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. Uh, which is I haven't seen, but I've heard really good things. Adam Driver in Marriage Story, which we're going to talk about later. Joaquin Phoenix, of course, for Joker. And Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. Initial thoughts? I don't mean to show my hand on the Marriage Story review later, man, but it might be Driver. He's real good in it, uh, and we'll talk about it, like I said, coming up. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix, actually. The guy lost a lot of weight for the role, and he's just, like, gaunt in that Joker makeup, and he really plays it up. I haven't seen Pain and Glory. I haven't seen The Two Popes. And I like Christian Bale, but I don't think he pushes it over the line this year. How about you? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And it, and yes, Joaquin Phoenix, he did an incredible job. Very, I mean, it's an iconic uh, portrayal of the Joker. I do think Adam Driver is going to not only get, not only is he nominated for this, and I think he'll win. I think he's definitely going to be nominated for an Oscar. We can talk about that more next time. Uh, for Best Actress, we have um, Cynthia Erivo in for Harriet, Scarlett uh, Johansson in uh, Mar- Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Well. Well, it's like <laughs> Renee Zellweger, Zellweger in Judy as Judy Garland. 
Uh, you know, I like a lot of these women. I like a lot of these movies. I've only seen one of them, which probably shows my shows my hand a little bit. Uh, I like ScarJo in Marriage Story. She's a lot of fun. Uh, I also think there's a lot of really big contenders in here. Saoirse Ronan is great. I haven't seen a bad movie with her yet, and I do want to see Little Woman. Uh, the more, the trailer for Bombshell is really strong. The trailer's really strong. I don't know what that means about the film, but I think the trailer looks cool. I did want to see Judy, and I haven't. And, man, I don't know enough enough about Harriet. I don't even know where I can see that movie, so I need to check that out. Yeah, I saw trailers for it forever, and then it just never really got a big... I don't know when it was actually playing. Um, also interesting that a lot of these are, like, biopics. Uh, Charlie yeah. Sarah play, playing Megan Kelly from uh, Fox News. Uh, Renee Zellweger, of course, playing Judy Garland and Cynthia Rebo. Arivo playing Harriet Tubman. That's a good point. Uh, who, what should we jump to? Best director? Uh, sure. All right. Best director this year. Uh, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Sam Mendes for 1917. Todd Phillips' Joker, of course. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. And Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Andy, hot takes. Uh, once again, I haven't seen 1917. I've heard incredible things, but I, uh, I can't really judge. Of this list... Uh, it's going to be Bong Joon-ho for me, I think, for Parasite. It, I keep coming back to that film. It, it, I've thought about it so much uh, since we saw it. Um, and these are also other great films on here. I mean, uh, the Todd Phillips Joker, as we know, has become a, a big hit. Uh, Scorsese's uh, gangster epic uh, was also very good. Tarantino, not surprised, but I, I don't think he really deserves it in, in this uh, kind of con- with these contenders. It's a good year for Best Director, I think. You got a little bit of a passing of the torch kind of category. You've got a couple of the old mainstays, Scorsese, Tarantino. They're up there with their strong films, just like always. You also got some of the new blood, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Bong Joon-ho. And if you'd asked me last year if I thought Todd Phillips would be nominated for Best Director and Best Picture, I'd have told you you were insane. I think they also have Best Original Score for Joker as well in here, which is crazy to me. My favorite is Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. I think he should be in Best Original Film or Best Drama, but he's not big surprise he is nominated for best foreign language film with parasite that's my hot take i hope he gets it yeah and we'll see what that what that kind of means for the oscars as well because it it hasn't happened that that best kind of what they're changing to international film has ever won uh best picture it's been they've been nominated before it's been close but it's never won this could be the year uh so we'll see we'll see um, I did want to talk about best original score just because I'm I'm really surprised that uh, uh, the the score for Joker is on here by Hildor Guanadatur. It's a very hard name to say. It's, it's quite a name. Um, oh, you want me the, to do it? Yeah, best original score. I got you. Sorry, uh, Alexander Desplat for Little Women. Uh, Hildor Guanadatur. Guan, I you know it's <laughs> Swedish I think uh, for Joker Randy Newman for Marriage Story Randy Newman is on here Thomas Newman for 1917 and Daniel Pemberton from Motherless Brooklyn uh, learned something new didn't know Randy Newman did the, did the score for Marriage Story huh uh, what do you think that's, about this that's surprising that's really as surprising. well honestly because I, I couldn't really remember this score very much uh, Motherless Brooklyn I, I, I saw the trailer for this film and was not interested at all but I've heard a little bit more about it i've uh heard a couple of reviews and i understand it a little bit more so i think i might eventually get around to to watching it um and then the last couple things uh best animated feature film we have frozen 2 how to train your dragon the hidden world the third one in the series the lion king which is kind of surprising 
but not at the same time. Missing Link and Toy Story 4. I think we've seen, we've done all of these for the show, actually. I think we have, actually. Yeah, you're right. So what's from from your from this list? What's your hot take? My hot take is missing link, which won't get it. Uh, it won't. I like honestly should probably be in its own category. Like I, I feel like that way every year. Um, their movies are so it's so different from doing a, a CGI film. It's so different. Like and there's so much effort and creativity and imagination and actual physical, concrete, tangible props and products and things you can touch and feel and hold that go into every one of their movies. The Lion King, meanwhile, is practically live action. I know it's animated, but, like, come on. You know? It's at the opposite end of the spectrum it's from so Missing It's so far Link. on the other end. I think the one that will win it will probably be Frozen 2, and if I wanted to throw a contender in Toy Story 4, maybe. Um, but my money, you know, the long shot from the cheap seats. I'm going to go for Missing Link. That's my, that's my hope. <laughs> you know what I'm surprised, or not surprised, but I kind of had a hard time picking one because these are all these are all good movies but we don't have like an into the spider verse like we did last year which was a huge standout from everything else this is all i mean essentially traditional and what is traditional animation now uh i think my my choice would probably be frozen 2 yeah i think that's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be the family favorite so anything else you want to talk about in here I uh, just wanted to cap off best foreign language film. Uh, we have The Farewell, which we uh, did uh, by Lulu Wang that, that we reviewed for the show, uh, mm-hmm. Les Miserables. Uh, yet another, that film gets remade like three times a year, I swear. Uh, Pain and Glory, uh, Parasite, of course, which we did on, on the show, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I've heard about but have not seen. Um, Parasite by, by Longshot. Really great to see The Farewell on here, though, as well. Yeah, I agree. I haven't seen Les Miserables, uh, this version of at least, uh, Pain and Glory or Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Pain and Glory does have a couple noms. Antonio Banderas is in there for Best Actor, so it's worth mentioning. It's got to be a pretty good film at least, but The Farewell does as well. Aquafina has Best Actress in Musical or Comedy over there. Uh, the Farewell's real good, man. It's real good. That was a really fun watch, and I'm glad we went and saw it, but I my favorite is Parasite by far and away. That movie was real cool uh any any just kind of thoughts on the golden globes in general because it's not the emmys and it's not the oscars what do you think yeah it's kind of a second citizen level award sometimes they're they'll be viewed as kind of a a prequel to the Oscars. sometimes they're way off sometimes like they recognize films that are nowhere on like when oscar times they're nowhere to be seen and a lot of films that are not on the golden globes list we will see come oscar time like i said i'm i'm thinking of things like the lighthouse which i think is definitely going to be some somewhere i mean willem defoe's performance is is incredible so uh yeah the, the, there are awards <laughs> and there are uh, awards the, yes and they're an inter- interesting thing uh i one article i saw was that netflix had taken i think 17 so they'd they'd gotten a bunch of awards for streaming and then marriage story which we'll talk about later has uh seven nominations i think which is the most hard to believe they're just giving out awards to streaming movies now they're not even real films right, by it's god not, it's not real cinema yeah yeah they don't even <laughs> show up on dead theaters that doesn't count. Yeah. All right. No, I'm glad. I am, man. Like, I, it is hard to deny that's the way things are going. Uh, we watched more films on streaming services this year than we have any any other, like we've done off script for years. Any any previous year of off script, we watched <laughs> more streaming films uh, this year. So for what it's worth, it's like it's the way it's going, obviously. Look how many streaming services are out there. So I'm glad Netflix getting its due. I'm glad HBO's on here a little bit. But you're right. I think there's also some, some significant snubs, which I'm very disappointed in. So thanks a lot, Golden Globes. Sorry about you. Uh, respect the drip. 
And we should move on to our first film. Uh, Andy is going to be taking the summary on this one. Very quick thinking, Andy. I wasn't sure which one of us is actually doing this, so thank you. Uh, please take it away. The report. After 9-11, everyone was scared. Plane. Scared it might happen again. Obvious terrorist attack. It was my second day of grad school. Next day, I changed all my classes to national security. So this is the latest film by Scott Z. Burns um, that comes from Amazon Studios, actually, featuring Adam Driver as FBI investigator Dan Jones uh, and also Annette Benning as uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. Uh, the report is about the investigation into the CIA's torture and interrogation program following uh, 9-11. Um, for those of you not familiar, uh, right after 9-11, there was, uh, the country was you know, in a panic, and part of this panic was to get information. And so the CIA developed a program that was untested, unproven, and based on pretty faulty science uh, where they interrogated and tortured uh, detainees for information. Um, a story breaks around 2005 or so that uh, the CIA has destroyed tapes of these interrogations. And then Adam Driver's Daniel Jones gets called in to do a formal investigation into this program. Uh, what he finds or what he ends up doing then is he puts together a team. They go through emails. They go through what tapes exist. They talk to some the few people that will talk to them because, you know, you end up pitting a number of of government agencies against each other and they don't really cooperate. So he just has to do a lot of good old fashioned hustle and, and legwork. Um, and he winds up uncovering uh, some pretty terrible practices and uh, things that the CIA engaged in in order to try to obtain information and as we know now they did not obtain any if any uh in basically information from all this and so this is what the what the movie covers as this investigation and also the fight to release the report because it's very political the investigation crossed two administrations both the bush administration and and into the obama administration there's a lot going on here so that's the setup of our story zach what do you think I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was tough to get into. Um, it's it's it has a non-linear editing format. Uh, it jumps around a lot. It throws a lot of dates and times at you, and it uses a color scheme to kind of let you know whether you're in the past or the future. Uh, it's a little confusing, and of course, being a political thriller, there's a whole lot of talking and not a whole lot of action. Uh, there's a lot of people raising their voices and shouting, but like nothing ever really happening. Um, but even still, it kind of cuts deep for what it's worth. I think the performances are really strong. Adam Driver, Nat Benning, uh, uh, John Hamm is in this movie. A lot of really fun people bring together like a really, a really engaging kind of set piece for a plot that ultimately would have been lesser had it not been for the creatives working behind it. I actually really enjoyed the report. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm anxious to talk about it. Andy, what did you think of the report? Um, I really enjoyed it too. I like uh, CIA stuff. I love reading about this kind of spy versus spy and how these government agencies actually operate. Um, this is some really hard stuff because they're talking about actual torture. Some of it is depicted in the film. Uh, but the, the things that are actually most horrible are not not really depicted. They're just kind of talked about or they're spoken in dialogue and you're, you're left with your mind to imagine what they're talking about. Um, and that, that's the stuff that's terrifying, uh, that they, you know, they would do things like 
you know, put people in fake coffins and fill them with a bunch of bugs, which I would talk, (laughs) like, you just suggest that to me, and I would talk. Um, You know, waterboarding, of course, was was the big famous thing, and what you see, the, the film depicts kind of how they get to this point, and there's a discussion with some lawyers about what the definition of torture is, and they kind of skirt around it, they're like, well, torture is permanent, uh, damage. So as long as we don't do anything permanently damaging, we're okay. And there's a whole lot of gray air. There's a whole lot of terrible things you can do to a person before you permanently damage them. And then it's, it's not taking into account the psychological damage that that you're doing to uh, torture someone. So it's it's an intense film, and and it's uh, it is it does kind of it, it does a lot of that kind of slow things where there's a lot of searching through documents, searching through emails, reports, like paperwork. Um, but this, that's also how these kinds of investigations happen. It's mostly people digging through through the documents and through the records to find out uh, what exactly was going on. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> I'm not sure where the best place to start talking about this movie is, but I think overall it's it's a really eye-opening kind of film not only because of what was happening after 2001 but because of my understanding of the judicial system and how it actually worked i didn't know the cia and the senate could investigate each other and have cross-examinations i kind of figured it was all one big thing i think most americans do in that way this is probably a good film to watch especially if you're into political thrillers because it feels so recent and fresh and so much more applicable to me than something like the big short you know the big short was a financial film it was all about the 2008 Wall, like Wall Street mm-hmm. crash, that that still kind of feels far away. I'm like, I didn't really understand it. I don't really know what they're talking about with shorts and stocks and bonds. This though, it's pretty easy. It's torture. It's it's pretty bad. <laughs> it, it's or, torture to get in information. And there's yeah, uh, you know, there's a whole thing where they they've brought in these Navy uh, psychologists who are you know saying, oh, we we know how to break these guys. You know, we, we're going to humiliate them, make them feel helpless. And it's based on zero science, based on nothing but conjecture, and also the fact that we had known or the world had known for decades that torture was really an ineffective way to get information because people either just tell you anything to make to get you to stop or usually they tell you things you already know sure um so it's it's a pretty unreliable method of of getting getting in information so what's the best place to start here probably the plot right like i i mentioned in the open the non-linear editing do you want to kind of explain that a little bit more Sure. So, so again, we we start with with Dan Jones in about two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, he's first going to Washington. He's shopping around for a job. He eventually get joins the the FBI. And again, we do have some fast forward and and we get some some shots of two thousand two, two thousand three with when the CIA starts this program. And again. It, Initially, everyone is on board, and initially they're like, "Well, you know, we're going to have to kind of toughen up and do some things we're not comfortable with to for the good of the people, you know, for the good of American citizens, American lives." Um, and over time, a lot of that gets worn down. Like, you know, they say things like, "We had no doctors on at these black sites because a doctor, like, first do no harm is is the doctor's creed." So they had ph- physician assistances um, kind of in kind of in their stead. And then you, you have a lot of people just leaving the program because they can't be a part of this. They can't, like, they're seeing what they're doing to these people, and they're just like, we can't do it. And then there's a great line uh, by uh, Mara Tierney, who's in the film, who said, this has to work. If it doesn't work, then it's not legal. So then that pushes them to kind of go even harder with these methods. I think, <laughs> I'm not sure where the best place to jump in with that is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. You know, yeah, no, 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 you're right. Uh, it's, a, it's a complex film. 
I, I love the way Adam Driver kind of plays our lead here, Dan Dan Jones, right? Uh, he's he's kind of a wide-eyed workaholic. He doesn't have family or friends or relationship. This movie doesn't waste any time with that. He's not talking to other people about it. He's simply carrying the audience through the story uh, of uncovering this stuff over five years. Really, his story tracks from 2008 to 2014. He doesn't start working on the port report till about 2009 because it takes him five years to put it together, but... Uh, as he kind of uncovers thing, the movie, yeah, the movie will cut back and forth, right? It'll cut from where he's at and what he's saying in the present time to, hey, here's 2002 when people were getting tortured and then back to him. And, and it'll cut to that through, like I said, color. Uh, the scenes with Adam Driver, the scenes in present day or closer to present day are going to be very blue, very blue tones, very dark. The scenes in the past are very yellow and cream. Yeah. Very bright. And and that's that's the way the movie kind of distinguishes. If you're not paying attention or if you don't really pay attention <laughs> to stuff like that, you might it might lose. You might you get a start to get lost, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I get what they were going for, but I also understand why that's like complex. I, I was able to keep up with it, but I, you know, do a movie podcast every week. So it's I'm kind of a different a different breed. I'd be interested to see how like the average moviegoer kind of keeps up with that. Yeah, what's also interesting is, you know, we have the investigation, we have the the, the torture stuff happening in, in the early 2000s, but we also have how how are they handling this politically? Um, b- because we get kind of uh, insights into the late Bush administration as it crosses over into the Obama administration, and they're still dealing with this problem, but it affects, you know, things differently. And we have uh, Diane... Uh, Feinstein, Annette Benning is uh, Senator Diane Feinstein. Uh, she's heading this investigation, and she also has you know political clout, but also is has she has political risk if this thing isn't handled and released properly. I think her performance is really tremendous because she's just kind of this almost like an oracle on a hill that Adam Driver's character has to go to at the end of every 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 kind of new discovery and say, hey, listen, I found this. I found this. What do you think of this? And she's very quiet and very peaceful. And, and Annette Benning does a great job of kind of playing that role uh, against her. She's got to deal with characters like John Hamm, Michael C. Hall. Uh, uh, Corey, well, Corey Stoll plays a lawyer. He's not quite the same way. But basically people in the CIA who are defending this enhanced interrogation stuff who are saying, no, 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 this isn't that bad. Or, well, this is what we got to do. And I mean, even when they're uncovering things like people who died and and, and the, the CIA operative who killed them getting promoted later and nothing happening to them, like even when they're uncovering stuff that's real bad, the CIA just kind of shrugs their shoulders like, well, what are you going to do? It was after 2001 or it was the Bush administration. This is what we had to do. Or, well, we had to do it because, you know, nobody nobody's going to attack us again, by God, after they find out what we did. Like. It's it's just real dark, and there's a million excuses to justify doing the wrong thing, but there don't seem to be enough excuses for doing the right thing, which is really a shame. <laughs> yeah, there's a great line early on in the movie where they said, uh, you know, it's right after 9-11, and someone says, okay, we need we need somewhere to keep these guys. We need black sites that can't be on American soil. And someone says, well, we're you're talking about a prison. We're the CIA. We're not in the prison business. And the and the response is you're in the business of whatever it takes to get information, okay? Yeah. Whatever whatever our our budget was six hundred million last week, now it's whatever we need, mm-hmm. like um and and it, you're exactly right because I think the crux of the of the film, like the question is, is you know again is the do the ends justify the mean and the, and what the film is saying is that it, it absolutely doesn't it doesn't matter what was done to us that doesn't give us an excuse to, to then be inhuman. 
Right. And and it kind of raises this question of ignorance over malice, right? Like, even if you don't know you're doing the wrong thing, that doesn't mean what you did was, wasn't wrong, right? Like, even if you think you're doing the right thing. And that that's really a struggle as Adam Driver kind of uncovers, Dan Jones, sorry, uncovers kind of more of this this badness and more stuff. And the like visually, they, they, they kind of play this out great by having his, his office just fill up with photos on the wall and post-its and, and, you know, similar to like a detective with red string on a map, you know, connecting the dots. Um, he, his whole office just fills up with this stuff of all all the bad things, all on paper, of course, which is hinted at in the movie to be a bad thing, according to the CIA, because paper is how people get caught. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a very visually intricate way to show how time is passing and things are being uncovered, and and he just keeps running to roadblocks, legislation or or things get pushed back, and then for a while it's okay. Well, we don't even know if the report's going to come out, and then when it does finally just about get there. They start crossing things out in black ink, like the roadblocks that come along <laughs> in the journey of this kind of horrible truth are, are really something considering they're coming from the American government. There's a great scene when somebody from the CIA runs into his character in public and says, you know, you need to know that what we are doing is for the good of the American people. And he said, you should know that what I'm doing is for the exact same thing. Like and and it's like it's funny how you can have two ideologies working towards the same goal, just in a very different way, I guess. And really, that's yeah. a lot of what's going on in this movie. Yeah, and what you were saying about the uh, the the redacted pages—that's the first picture I, I saw of this of this film. It was a still photo of Adam Driver ho- holding a page, and like ninety-eight percent of his percent of it is blacked, <laughs> blacked out. out. Yeah, and that was like the first thing that really got me uh, excited about uh, this film. The script writing really is tremendous um, because it, it holds up so well in kind of providing analogies for what's happening to make it feel relevant. Um, in that scene, like you said, uh, where Black Adam Driver is talking to Diane Feinstein and he's holding up that page with 90% of blacks out, blacked out. He said, imagine if you picked up, like I can't remember the quote, but he says something along the lines of, imagine if you picked up a book and it said blank turned water into wine and then blank raised a man from the dead and then blank got got uh, died and got buried and then rose three days later how would you know if the blanks were all even the same person it doesn't mean anything like right. you can't just block out the truth like that and 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 it's such a clever kind of pivotal moment in the movie and this movie has a series of those what makes it a challenge to watch for me at least is how long it feels like because I thought this movie was gonna wrap at like an hour about <laughs> yeah. about about 65 minutes in I I, I was you know watching it on Amazon. I clicked my remote to see how much time was left or to pause to go do something. And he had, a, he had an hour left. I was like, what, what's going to happen in the next hour? And and arguably that's where the really fun stuff happens. But it's it does feel a little lopsided that way. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like one clean three-act structure. Um, and that, that makes it a little challenging to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, like I said, a lot of it is dates and it's emails and it's computer screens and it's that kind of investigative stuff that's it's honestly a little bit more fun to read about um but i think they do a pretty good job of of trying to make it as interesting uh as as they can and you know adam driver does some some great scene chewing as we know he is capable of for sure yeah and and i i always love that there are you know, a lot of elements in play. It's never just black and white. It's never that simple. And Adam Driver's character is 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 trying to be that guy. Dan Jones is trying to be the guy who who just sees this as right or wrong. That's the deal, right? Black or white. And you're right. There's there's tons of things that get in the way. The changeover from the Bush to the Obama administration is huge. 
that immediately changes the way things work because it's like, well, hold on. Now we have an entirely new uh, uh, president with an entirely different set of ideologies and an entirely different caucus behind him. And then halfway through that, um, or a couple years into that, uh, the Senate flips to Republican. Okay, so now you've got to deal with that. Now you have a Republican Senate but a Democratic president. So that changes the way this works. Um, what's really interesting about all of that is Adam Driver is presented with the option to go to the press he has a contact in the New York Times who he spends a couple scenes with and, and, and they have a great conversation towards the end explaining that like look you could always just dump this whole thing you could always just take the easy way out and blow it all and we'll print the whole thing all 7,000 pages tomorrow for the American public you know but he doesn't, uh, uh, at least in that scene, he, he decides, you know, now I should do the right thing. And as the film goes on, that just kind of gets ever more tantalizing. It's ever more, you know, interesting. Uh, and it leads to a, a much more exciting ending, I think, than what would normally be just, po- you know, politics. Oh, he wrote this thing. It didn't, you know, I don't know. Right. Well, it also, it, it emphasizes the importance of process and taking the right steps which is i think another kind of message of of the movie because when they're engaging in torture means that they're completely violating people's civil rights and they're overstepping you know constitutional rights uh, given to us and that's that's a, he doesn't want to be in that same you know vein of like overstepping his bounds and just you know giving it to the press you know he says it's if this is going to come out it has to come out the right way right and i think that's probably a good way to feel uh, even if it, you know it drives him freaking insane, it's tough to watch somebody work on something for five years and then ultimately get nowhere. And I think you know one of the things that make driver makes driver's performance so strong in this is his ties to national security following nine eleven. Uh, Adam Driver was originally a Marine. Yeah, uh, that's right. Right. Apparently, after like immediately following nine eleven, he he went and signed up and was like, "I'm going to the Marines. I'm I'm going to fight for my country." He's a very patriotic guy. And that comes through in his performance. His character was very similar to that. Uh, his character, Dan Jones, says, after after 9-11, I was in grad school, and the next day I immediately went and changed all my courses to national security. Um, you know, it, it matters, and I think that passion shows in his performance. It really helps kind of bring out more than what would normally be there. It jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think I'm ready for recommendations. I think I am, too. Andy, would you recommend The Report? Uh, yes, I would, uh, with some extreme content warnings. Uh, like I said, there, there are definitely some graphic depi- depictions of torture and lots of insinuated or just there's dialogue. Uh, and that stuff is pretty, like I said, the stuff that you imagine in your mind is 10 times worse than, than what's seen on screen. Cause a lot of stuff on screen is, you know, things you've seen before, you know, guys tied up getting, being punched and stuff. But when they get into like the waterboarding, some of the more extreme things, it's, it's some pretty hard stuff to watch. There's definitely some, uh, you know, PTSD. And, and what people don't understand about things like waterboarding it's like uh, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with torture it's uh, simulated drowning and it can be so psychologically damaging i was reading a a report of a soldier who'd been waterboarded and he could no longer take a shower right because you can't you can't actually drown too like that is that is a real possibility but uh yeah it's 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 a little rough the the torture stuff uh i definitely think it could have been worse i I also could have been better so i mean you, you can go either way um I enjoyed it. I think if you're a fan of political thrillers, you need something to kind of sit there and twirl your mustache while you watch. Uh, this will be a fun one. I'd recommend this to somebody like my dad, who's into history, uh, a little bit of politics. I think he'd enjoy it. It's relatively 
post-partisan, I think. I don't think you're going to lean either way, regardless of how you vote. Uh, I think you'll probably agree at the end that we probably shouldn't be torturing people. I hope. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's that's neither. Uh, it's not for Andy and I to, to tell you what, how to feel. Uh, ultimately, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It is on Amazon Prime. It, I think it's worth a watch. Check out the report. Next up, we need to talk about some trailers, things that are coming out. Andy, how do you want to split this? We got three to go over. You want to do one and three, and I'll do two, or I'll do. You got to do Ghostbusters, and I'll. That's start, true. I'll start with Mulan. Loyal, brave, and true. It is my duty to protect my family. Uh, so Disney is re- is remaking their whole catalog as we know um and mulan will be coming out in the spring in march 27th to be exact and we get the first kind of full-length uh trailer and we get to see some some cool new things we see kind of the setup of the story of the kind of this imperial army shows up in this village and says we need one man from each family uh, mulan's family has no son so their elderly father you know tries to join up and he's got a bad leg and so she takes it upon herself to you know take the family armor and the family sword to go and join the military which she does and then we also meet our villain um who i don't remember it's a con of some sorts but we meet the mongols uh who are headed up by a vicious leader and also a uh, a witch uh of some of some sort uh and then we we see some battle scenes we see some some sword slashing looks pretty cool to me it, it has a big sweeping score i think this is going to be a very very profitable uh disney film i think it has a much better look than something like the lion king which was a shot for shot remake yeah i'm i'm interested in this more than i was after the teaser i i think the movie makes some departures from the original i know all the live actions do but just some larger ones here. There is no Mushu, which is Eddie Murphy's character, so we don't have any kind of fun, comedy-slinging pop culture dragon. Also, the Hawk of Sean Yu, who was our bad guy in the previous. Uh, now our bad guy is not Sean Yu. He's somebody else, but he's also kind of a Mongol-inspired character. The Hawk is also a female witch. She turns into a hawk, uh, which is kind of neat. At least I think, looking at the trailer, I feel pretty good about saying that. And and they've got she's got a scene she shares with Mulan at the end, talking about, hey, when they find out you're a boy, you're you're not a boy, you're going to be in trouble because gender heteronormative roles are important in ancient China. Uh, and and I I but what is for what it's worth though, uh, I I like the sweeping landscapes here. It looks like a little less green screen from what I can tell. Uh, it looks like they've definitely got a lot of stuff shot in studio, but it, it still looks epic and grand on a scale that I don't think I've quite seen from Disney yet. Uh, yeah. In live action stuff. Uh, it just looks a little bigger and, and that looks rad. And also it, I like the story of Mulan. So yeah, yeah it, it looks bigger. It looks more mature. It looks a little bit, like I said, they're ditching the, the, uh, the songs, which I'm, I'm completely fine with. It has a great cast. We have Jet Li is in it. He plays the emperor, Donnie Yen, uh, Jason Scott Lee as Bori caught him. <laughs> that really makes me laugh that it's Jason Scott Lee. And of course, uh, playing Mulan is Yifei Liu. Right. And who is, do we, have we seen who, anything? No, I don't, I don't know what else that she is. That, that's just who, who is the main mm main person all right well i'm you know I, I, either way I'm, I'm i'm excited about the diversity I'm, i i again this the score is actually really tremendous you mentioned that already but that's worth mentioning um i think it'll be cool uh who's gonna talk about james bond why don't, why don't you kick it off 
Okay. Uh, the movie is No Time to Die. History isn't kind to men who play God. So No Time to Die is the next James Bond film. This is the 20... 20- Seventh James Bond movie, I think. Uh, in this movie, James Bond has left active service and enjoying is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. Uh, his peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix uh, from the CIA turns up asking for help. He's got to re- rescue some kind of kidnapped scientist. He runs into another double O, played by a woman who, if I know from the articles that came out a while back from people screaming about insecurity, uh, she is 007 now, and he isn't because he's out of active service, so she has his thing. But that doesn't mean she's going to be 007 in the next movie. Uh, we get an appearance by Christoph Waltz, who's Blofeld in the last film. We get Rami Malek, who is our new villain. I'm into this movie, man. I'm into all the all the, all the James Bond, uh, uh, Daniel Craig movies, at least. I'm, I'm a fan of the series. I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen a handful. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about it, I guess. Are Sam you? Mendes isn't doing it anymore, so I don't know how to feel about that. But for what it's worth, I think it looks kind of neat. What do you think? Uh, I'm excited for it. So it is directed by uh, Kerry Fukunaga, who, of course, did um, True Detective Season 1, which is uh, such a, a great piece of, of work uh, for TV. I'm excited th- about all the women that are in the films. So just to... to, to Roll, roll call some of them. Anna de Armas, who we recently saw in Knives Out. Uh, Leia Sadu. Uh, Lashana Lynch, who was in Captain Marvel. She was kind of the Captain Marvel's best friend in that. Naomi Harris. So the Bond uh, franchise has been long criticized because of its treatment towards women. And it seems like we're getting a much kind of a balance of that where we have a lot more women in the film and they're not just Bond girls. Uh, Lashana Lynch, like she, she looks, she's basically another uh, James Bond type spy um, can kick ass and shoot stuff. And then as well as Anna Darmus as, as well. So th- I think it looks really cool. It, you get all the, the Bond kind of like hallmarks of, of cool gadgets and guns and chases and femme fatales and all that. And an interesting uh, villain, and I love Rami Malek. He's he's really great. So I am definitely excited about this. I am too. Yeah, you get the big sweeping landscapes, uh, the different locales, yeah, the different places you go, uh, uh, Shanghai and Bangkok and the Himalayas or wherever they're at in this movie. You get the big score and stings. You get the big action set pieces. I think it'll be neat, and and I like the departures away from traditional Bond. I've said it before. I think the James Bond series in the Age of Cinematic Universe is like one of the most bungled franchises in existence. <laughs> like, sure. what what other cinematic universes have twenty seven films and are doing as poorly as James Bond? Like, very few, if any, have made it this long, and it's got to be the bottom of the rung. And it also is the longest lasting. It's absurd. So hopefully. They can kind of make some things happen. Those broccoli people can pull things out. Uh, we should talk about our last film in the trailer park. This is Ghostbusters Afterlife. It has a gunner seat? So, from director <laughs> Jason... <laughs> took me a bit to get that together. From director Jason Reitman and producer Ivan Reitman comes the next chapter in the original Ghostbusters universe in Ghostbusters Afterlife when a single mom and her two kids arrive in a small town and they begin to discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and the secret legacy their grandfather left behind in the wake of uh, uh, mysterious 
quaking earthquakes and and other strange possibly paranormal behavior the movie stars uh uh uh, what's her name carrie coon paul rudd and and our two child actors finn wolfhard and mckenna grace uh andy you saw this trailer you thought it's stranger things (laughs) (laughs) yes you might be right i i'm a little lukewarm on this ghostbusters had has had a troubled history of rebooting uh the 2016 version did not go over well we did review it for the show it was okay it wasn't bad it wasn't great either this trailer i so much is out of place first of all they're in the country and i've always thought of ghostbusters as a very city urban uh style film and setting so that's that's a little strange for me the other thing is that it's always been adults and now we have the the kind of introduction of uh Finn Wolfhard, like you said, and McKenna Grace as kind of junior Ghostbusters. They're like kids who dis- who discover some of this Ghostbusting equipment. Um, we don't really get a, a lot about... We don't see any ghosts. We don't really know where it's going. But it again, it reminds me of Stranger Things a lot because of Finn Wolfhard. And it, it looks like it's, it's trying to stack nostalgia on top of n- nostalgia. And I'm not real sure how to fear, feel about it, but I do want to wait and see let me see another trailer and of course the movie uh, before i final judgments are made i'm a real big ghostbuster fan it's probably one of my top five favorite films ever um for a handful of reasons uh, that i'll discuss probably at a later date uh i think this movie looks pretty good I, I think you're right i i'm excited about it because of my ties to ghostbusters but objectively as a film i think another trailer is in order uh this one does a lot to try to present the world and say hey this is kind of what we're doing here. I like the, the, the kind of farmhouse aesthetic and being out in the country. It's interesting. Uh, a detail that a lot of uh, kind of Ghostbuster um, ghost heads, as they call them on the internet, have been pointing out is that the mine in the, in the, in the uh, trailer is, is uh, courtesy of Shandor Mining Company, which is the name of Evo Shandor, the big bad in the first movie. Oh. So there's probably some kind of connection there. Uh, it looks like their dad is Egon Spengler, who has all of his ghost stuff out there. So he might have been out there inspecting or who knows what. Um, somebody even said, went as far as, and this is going to be way too far for this show, but somebody went as far as to say, hey, you know, the first, the building, Dana Barrett's apartment in the first movie, was built by Evo Shandor. He had to get that metal from somewhere. It probably came from this mine that's in this movie and that's where they set all that up and it's cursed or whatever. And that's the, who knows? The, the point is they're making some serious strides to connect this to the original. Yeah. Whereas Ghostbusters 2016 kind of did that. But then at the same time in all of their press material said, no, no, it's not related to the original at all. It's totally different. Even though it kind of wasn't that's Ghostbusters answer the call. Sorry. It's not just Ghostbusters 2016. Um, I'm into this. Jason Reitman is Ivan Reitman's son. Ivan Reitman is a writer and the director of the first two Ghostbusters film. It has the blessing of all of the Ghostbusters, probably because Sony makes them. <laughs> yeah. press tours for it. Um, I'm excited. I do think it's going to lack the comedy chops of the original. I don't know how you could ever capture that lightning in a bottle again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, it's different. And it's new, and it it looks engaging in a way that I didn't get out of the last Ghostbusters movie. I I realize that probably makes me sound like a you know misogynist or the patriarchy or something, and and that's probably worth a larger conversation at a later date. I haven't seen the internet blow up about that yet, and I'm waiting for them to you know. Um, but we'll see what happens. I guess. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? 
Well, the one thing I wanted to to kind of mention here as uh, looking over the cast list, and I won't go in go into who's on it, but I'm seeing the same problem that I s- see in Terminator and Star Wars, where you're trying to do two things: you're trying to tap in on nostalgia by having old characters, but then you're also trying to build a new franchise and have a new set of characters so you can build going forward. Um, you know, this is having some of that same problem. You're trying you're trying to do two things. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or it very helpful in, in helping your film move forward i'm of the fan like you either need to have you know have old ghostbusters and have a movie about them or you just start completely new and move forward this kind of overlapping causes more problems than it solves yeah i agree uh i don't know where this is gonna all go i'm interested to see i think finn wolfhard is a 80s star and he's never <laughs> yeah Lived in the 80s. He, need, um, he needs to break out for sure. Oh, my God. That kid needs to break out so bad. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, with that, we should probably move on to our final film. I'm going to be taking the plot on this one. Excuse me if it's a bit of a stumble. I actually just finished watching it today, so I'm still collecting my thoughts. Uh, the movie is... Uh, <laughs> the movie is Marriage Story. I realized I didn't ever really come along for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. So Marriage Story is the story of Charlie and Nicole, played by our very lovable, very affable Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, uh, respectively. Charlie is a stage director in New York. Nicole is his actor wife who acts in his plays. The two of them are struggling through a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes. They have one 10-year-old son between the two of them. Things start amicably and Inevitably, they start to kind of <laughs> go wrong as the wheels shake loose. And before you know it, lawyers are involved. We're suddenly in L.A. and New York trying to decide where things are happening. The movie features a very small cast, but a very, very affable cast. Like I said, uh, it is just over two hours long. The movie is Marriage Story. Andy, what did you think of Marriage Story? Uh, there's a lot of great things about this movie, but there's also some things I struggled with. Um, it is... It's funny that it's called Marriage Story because it's uh, it's mostly about heartbreak. Um, it I think it should be called Divorce Story because it's ninety percent about their divorce and the end of their relationship, and not necessarily. You know, I thought the film would kind of go over more of their of the good times of well, this is why we fell in love, and it really doesn't do that. It really is just about the end of the the relationship and kind of moving on uh, past that. It is very difficult in times uh it's it's family stuff and it gets the divorce gets real nasty uh on both sides and uh there's a lot of it's more about what's unsaid than what it what is said uh basically uh nicole is just really unhappy with her life in new york she feels like she gave up a a budding career as an actress in LA to be in New York. She doesn't like um, New York. She doesn't like, but she's basically under the thumb of her, of her husband of Charlie. Cause he's like the, the genius director and he, all he does is direct and she just kind of falls in his footsteps and she, you know, they've had some problems that have kind of made her want to go elsewhere. And she gets this opportunity. She gets uh, to the opportunity to act in a pilot, which turns into a series in LA. So she has to be there. Um, So they end up being on each coast. And then 
again, they, they know that they're probably, you know, they're going to separate. They're going to split up. It's not going to be a big deal. You know, we're going to be real friendly. And then it turns real nasty as soon as, as lawyers get involved, turns into, you know, a multi-year legal battle and where you slowly start to get glimpses into, into their marriage. Um, the film is a little bit too long. I really struggled with it in places. I struggled to kind of stay with it partially because it's on Netflix, which is, if I'm watching it on my couch and I'm a little bit bored, it's, easy to be distracted as opposed to if I'm in a theater. Yes. Uh, the, this movie definitely should be seen in a theater if possible. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Watching this at home was not quite the experience it should have been. Uh, similar to Roma last year on Netflix. Uh, Marriage Story is a lot of fun. I think visually it's really engaging. It's a very complex tale about relationships, not just with uh, uh, our, our two leads, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, but also with everybody in the movie. Um, everybody's talking about relationships with people they know, or, the, oh, yeah, I know these people that got divorced, or I've been divorced, or or I'm in a new relationship. It's it's a very simple film. Like I said, it's a very small plot. It, it, it doesn't move around a whole lot. Uh, we get a lot of L.A. and New York, but ultimately... Um, it's, it's sincere in what it is. Uh, I've, I've heard so many good things about it leading up to it, so I'm glad we're finally able to talk about it on the show. I suppose the best place to kind of jump in here is the plot, right? First place to start. Um, I know we kind of already gave a rundown, and Andy a little bit more so, but just to recap here, uh, the most basic of format. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are married. They live in New York with their young son. At the beginning of the film, they've already decided to get a divorce. She moves out to L.A. for a, new, for a TV pilot. Uh, she takes her son with him. Adam Driver agrees. Once she's out there, she gets told, hey, maybe you should get a lawyer. She kind of gets wooed by this lawyer who says, yep, you got to have a lawyer for all this. And from there, the movie kind of jumps between their perspectives, between Adam Driver trying to get by as Charlie and, and trying to figure out, well, hold on. Why why is Nicole doing this? We weren't going to have lawyers. Now we have one. Why, why, why am I suddenly fighting for custody? Why do I have to get an apartment in L.A. now? Because or else I'm going to lose my son. This doesn't make any sense. This is bad, you know? And Nicole saying, well, why is, why is he being like this? Why why isn't he just letting me have my way and live my life and, and be who I want to be? He's always been this way. He's always held me back. And it's 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 really something, man, because I've, I felt frustrated towards one of these characters. I'm not sure I should say who. And I'm not sure if that's by intention or not. Maybe that's, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I, I felt, uh, well, I'll just say, I, I felt really frustrated by Nicole. Uh, and, and as a man, I felt like that was wrong. Um, but <laughs> man, I, I, I really, yeah, right. Like, I, I feel like I should be frustrated by Adam driver's character. I, I was, I was fr- frustrated by Charlie more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. no, I, 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 I was really frustrated by, by her. And, and I think that's maybe part of the, part of the point is you, you, you do end up kind of picking a side here and finding somebody you you're about. And I think it's such a human story. He'll inevitably, you'll end up filtering into one of these two, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, at, also at the end of the day, this is about uh, rich assholes. Like <laughs> these are both wealthy people. Fight, fight. You know, they're actors. Yeah, Broadway they, director. Yeah, you know, has a TV pilot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they're definitely not your average people, and they're just kind of the divorce gets nasty because partially because it seems like the lawyers are making it but also there is because that's how it seems initially it seems like the lawyers are making them kind of go at each other but then you also realize that they are themselves going at each other by by their actions by the things they do um 
so yeah, it, like you said, it's interesting about whose whose side you're on. Um, but I think the movie is definitely about what is unsaid because a, a lot of what um, each character is frustrated with isn't discussed until you know at while they're in the divorce proceedings or after like after the relationship is over and doesn't matter anymore this is when they're bringing up their issues this is when they're they're talking about um a lot of their their problems Mm -hmm. uh i and that's really fundamentally what the movie's kind of getting at is how things will get complicated or seem to get complicated in divorce unintentionally because the beginning of the movie like neither of them intend to hurt the other one neither of them intend for this to be terrible uh it's it's supposed to be amicable and the lack of communication that comes in a relationship kind of ending like that ultimately leads to hurt feelings and people not understanding and ignorance being perceived as malice and like that's really the core of what's going on here because as nicole gets a lawyer and then charlie gets a lawyer and then charlie gets another lawyer like it just starts to get worse for both of them like they both start to feel feel like they have the screws put to them not only financially which is very relevant at one point towards the end of the film they both explain to each other they're both going broke trying to pay for a divorce um but just stress wise i mean oh my god charlie's got to move out and get a place Nicole has to deal with this guy. Uh, like she's she's trying to get her, her career off the ground. Um, it's 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 really something else, and I think it's worth mentioning. Noah Baumbach, who who wrote and directed this movie, uh, he actually did a movie about divorce fifteen years ago. A movie called The Squid and the Whale. His parents were divorced, and back then that movie, The Squid and the Whale, was a child's perspective of divorce. This is the other side of that coin. This is his way of saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm older now and I'm a bit more mature. I can look at this. And this is a very adult way to look at this. Um, and it's also, like I said, very human. It's not it's not too clinical. And you have a lot of scenes of our two characters just sitting opposite the table while two lawyers just argue back and forth and they're just silent for a minute. Like, these, they're long scenes. Um, it's, it's really compelling. Yeah, visually. so I, I've heard that this is somewhat autobiographical of Noah Baumbach. I don't know how accurate that is but that's part of what i've heard um but yeah it, it's a very you know it'll remind you of things like kramer versus kramer uh, which i have not seen but i've heard is a great film about divorce um, from the uh, from the 80s um also uh, this film has a uh, big shifts in tone it is a courtroom drama it is a dry comedy that there's actually a lot of like funny things that happen in the film. There's a running gag about they, everyone keeps telling Charlie to move out to LA. He's like, and every, everyone talks to us. Oh, the space. Oh, you love the space. Like that's a yeah. running, running thing. There's a whole thing where, uh, when he has to be served his papers, uh, they try to get one of Nicole's, uh, her sister or sister-in-law to do it. And she doesn't want to do it. She's super nervous. And so they're having to like rehearse giving him his divorce papers. So there's, so there's a lot of funny things, the, again, there's courtroom drama, and then there's just the heartbreak of a relationship that just didn't work out. Yeah, like, and that's you're absolutely right. Like it, it, it there's there's a level of black comedy here that's that's really totally. charming. Yeah, uh, there's a scene towards the end. Um, featuring adam driver that uh <laughs> legitimately made me laugh out loud in my chair sitting at home quietly watching netflix uh i i think this movie also has a lot of heart um i think the autobiographical thing is relevant because like so many kind of emotional films it just keeps building and building and building up until it breaks right and like that's that's where it really hits you um it's very emotional it's very deep probably gonna be some tears if you're watching this movie uh but i ultimately i think it's still good i i had a yeah. problem go ahead <laughs> I, i've told all my a, a couple of my friends have asked about this and i've like 
this is not a couple's film do not watch this as a couple <laughs> yeah i i you know it's funny i'm in i'm in the opposite boat i did want to watch it with christine um we're actually getting married uh next week believe it or not when you talk about that uh, when we're talking about what we're doing next week for the show uh but we're yeah we're getting married next week and i was like hey we should watch this movie and she was like absolutely not. <laughs> that sounds like a horrible idea and i was like well i mean it's it, we're adults we can she's like no 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 i'm i'm, I'm not doing it and i think that does make it a tough sell. People don't want to watch a, a sad story. Yeah. Uh, right. You don't want to watch a movie where the guy and the girl don't end up together. You don't want to watch a movie where the dog dies in the end. Um, and I get that. But yeah. Like, that sometimes movies like that are so much special, so much more special for it, you know? Uh, and that's what, well, that's what this movie is. Like, it's such a great look at that. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and to, my favorite breakup movie, if you can have a breakup movie, aside from Mid- Midsummer, is um, Jesus. <laughs> is uh, that that's a terrible lie? My favorite breakup movie is uh, Blue Valentine, which is from about uh, 2010, 2011, uh, starring Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams, and that also features the end of a relationship uh, over a period of six years um, that kind of erupts over a weekend. But what I love about that movie is you you see the opposite side of the coin. You see how they fell in love, why they fell in love in the beginning, how it was in the beginning when they kind of had nothing. And they, uh, in that film, it's kind of an accidental preg- pregnancy that brings them together, which is problematic down the road. But in the initially, it's very sweet. And um, it, it juxtaposes like the pain of a relationship with the joy of a relationship. But I feel like Barrage Story is all pain all the time it just it, yeah. it, it, it lacks like the oh this the, this is why we fell in love uh, in the beginning like it really kind of misses that part out right it opens with a couple of brief montages of each character with a little voiceover by the other one talking about why they love them that's about as positive as it gets from there it's it's all i mean uh, yeah you start the movie and they've already taught they're already talking about getting divorced like it's already happened they're, they already know they're getting divorced and it's only downhill from there which is a bummer, but I should mention a couple things I, I really did enjoy about this film other than, oh, I liked its themes. Um, visually, this movie is really striking. This movie is very peach and cream colored, similar to almost like a Wes Anderson film, and there is a ton of sunlight in this film. A ton of sunlight. It reminded me of... L.A. Sun. Yeah, it reminded me of Spike Jones's Her. Um, I don't know if you, you've seen that movie, Andy, but if you're listening and you haven't seen Her, uh, there's a ton of sunlight in that movie. And how they did it is they had their cinematographer and their lighting guys go outside to all of these skyscrapers that were nearby because they shot a lot of that film in, I think, New Toronto, and they were up in high-rises. And they mounted giant mirrors on the sides of buildings to blast extra sunlight <laughs> into scenes. And that's what this movie felt like. It's so bright and colorful while also being this like horrible, depressing kind of thing. But in a lot of ways, that's what being adult is, right? It reminds me of when they talk to their son and they say, uh, you know, hey, well, this is just something mommy and daddy have to do. And mommy and daddy are figuring it out and it's fine. And they don't really tell him anything. And he doesn't really know. Um, it's kind of similar, right? Like visually, what's happening in this movie is beautiful, but thematically it's terrible and it's frustrating and it's hard and like i think there's really something to be said about that it's worth mentioning for sure uh i wanted to talk about uh performances 
Um, we have, and I'll, I'm going to build up. Uh, so we have some surprise uh, cameos. I'm not really surprised, but they're just not advertised on the posters or anything. Uh, we have Ray Liotta, who plays one of the uh, lawyers. He plays Charlie's lawyer. And then we have Laura Dern, who's fantastic as uh, Nicole's lawyer. And they're very, I mean, they're caricatures and they're, they go at it and they know each other by reputation. Um, they're both very expensive lawyers. And then we also have uh, an amusing appearance by Alan Alda, who is Charlie's first lawyer, who's a little bit cheaper, but maybe not really the guy <laughs> you want negotiating this. They all do find the fantastic. And then of course we have our, our leads, Scarlett Johansson and Adam driver. I think Adam driver is in a whole on another level in this role. He, uh, they, they have a big fight towards the end of the film, which is probably going to be the best known fight of the year, um, between two people. Um, and he, he's just incredible in this. And Scarlett Johansson is, uh, is incredible as well. She's got to do some really incredible acting, but that's, that's the kind of film it is. Yeah, it's and and I think that's worth mentioning. Uh, the, the performances are outstanding in this movie. Uh, Ray Liotta and Laura Dern are particularly charming. Alan Alda's also a lot of fun. Like he's a lot of fun in this movie. Uh, Alan, Alan Alda, I enjoy watching. Um, Ray Liotta kind of looks terrible. Like I, I watching the Irishman, I was like, why isn't he in this movie? And then I watched this, I'm like, oh, this is why he isn't in the movie because he looks awful. He's it, he's looked terrible since like 2005. I know. Like, I don't I don't know. I guess that's the booze that got to him or or what? But the plastic surgery. Um, but but ScarJo and and Adam Driver are two standouts here. Both of them are tremendous. I I. I, I know it's Adam Driver week and relaying it hard on the Adam Driver, but dude, Adam Driver is so good in this movie. Um, he's I, I, real good in this movie. And ScarJo is too, but I because I think because I sympathize with his character more naturally, I'm more inclined to his performance. Um, but mm-hmm. they're both they're both tremendous. I think he's definitely going to get nominated for an Oscar for this role. It's incredible. It's the best work I've I've ever seen him do. And I mean, and he and he's a great actor. And it, I mean, he's having an incredible month. So between the report, Marriage Story, and then of course Star Wars uh, next week, uh, it's a huge time for him. Yeah, he's he's doing outstanding. Uh, two two direct to streaming films, followed by uh, uh, Star Wars, and and one of those direct to streaming films is probably going to be one of the best films of the year. Definitely, definitely. Pro- I mean, probably best picture material, right? You. Yeah, you'd I, I'm I'm warming up to it. The more I get away from it, is it is one of those films that, like I often say, it's like eat, eating your vegetables. It's good for you, but you just don't enjoy it in the moment. <laughs> right. So. With that being said, uh, one more one more note. I would I would have said the soundtrack is okay, but as the movie went on, I just thought less and less of it. Uh, that like I said, that opening montage at first, when they're all kind of happy go lucky, I was like, oh, this is kind of charming. But it's a very quiet film. There's actually not a whole lot going on in the soundtrack, and when it cuts in, it's actually a little distracting. Um, so thanks a lot, Nandy Ruman. Appreciate you. Um, any other any other thoughts, Andy? I'm ready for recommendations. Uh, Andy, would you recommend Marriage Story? Uh, yes, with some caveat. Do not watch this with your significant other. It is definitely, it's it's tragic. It's about the end of a relationship. It's about a relationship that was maybe doomed uh, from the beginning. Uh, so it's difficult on that, that end. It is serious subject matter. It is family drama. Uh, we do have great performances all, all around. It is pretty funny in a lot of parts. It is a little bit too long. It's two hours and 15 minutes. I think you could shave about 15 minutes of that that off or or more but overall i would recommend it 
I would recommend it as well. No caveats. Watch it with your significant other. <laughs> Swing for the fences, all right? If you can't make it through Marriage Story, it was never meant to last. <laughs> that's place. true. That's true. Yeah, that's what I think. All right. So you get you get yourself into some Marriage Story. I Good luck actually making your significant other watch it with you because odds are, like mine, they won't. And that's okay. Um, it is it is a deep film. It's very heartfelt. Uh, keep the keep the keep the tissues nearby. That's that's yeah. what I think about. Marriage well, see, that, that's what I really. I almost now I want couples to watch it and and see what yeah. side what which sides they take. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I mean. I'm like, I kind of wish you'd watch it with me, but it's okay. I, at the same time, I I I know it's a really heart wrenching thing, and I think she probably would have sided with Nicole. Like yeah. I I really do. Um, so I don't know what that means, but you know, uh. uh marriage story a lot of fun uh for being a horrible horribly sad uh, relationship ending ending film it's not horribly sad it's really not it's it's it's, it's a breakup movie in its own way it is it's a breakup movie and with that we should wrap up the show for the week like i said i'm getting married next week very exciting this cool chick christine you might have heard of her i've talked about her a couple times yeah uh so we're we're gonna make it happen andy's coming to the wedding it also happens to be on the day star wars came out uh, that was completely unintentional. We actually planned this way in advance and they announced Star Wars. I told Andy, he said, no worries. I got my tickets Thursday night and I'm going yep. to see it before. <laughs> so thank you, Andy, for taking one for the team. Uh, but uh, we are going to take a break. We're probably not going to be back on because of the holiday till New Year's. And we're planning on doing a New Year's Eve broadcast, which I'm actually real into. I want to pull off. I'm afraid it won't work. But I want to. I want to do it. So let's just let's just commit to it here, and hopefully we make it happen. Uh, that that week we'll be doing Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker and 1917, the Sam Mendes film, and then coming back into the new year, we're gonna immediately hit our top tens of the decade, and we are on our way. There are so many movies this year, Andy. I still haven't seen that I wanted to see. Oh, I know. It bums me out. <laughs> I, I've, I've been making top ten lists all all week, and you know when we get to our top t- ten of the decade, it. It might have to be more than ten. I'm, I, I can keep it less than twenty, but there's just some films I just have oh, to Lord. talk about. So, like, yeah, the, the top ten of the decade is going to be real tough. <clears throat> I, I um, think I might just have to rename it to top films of the decade. Come on now, if you if you you could do it in ten, you could cut some people out. Who needs uh, that Christopher Nolan Dark Knight stuff? That's no, mediocre at best. That's true. I, we maybe may, maybe we need some rules, like because I have Chris Nolan on there three times. Maybe he only gets one. Um. <laughs> Maybe that is worth mentioning. Yeah, each director only gets one entry. That might mm-hmm. that might help you narrow it down. I don't know. For sure. I need to get on my top ten top ten game. I haven't even started. But with that being said, because we will probably be back one more time, but we definitely will be back for the holiday. Happy holidays from all of us here at Offscript. Thanks for listening. It's been an exciting year, and I'm looking forward to New Year's Eve if we pull one off. If you want to know more about the show, check out our website, offscriptfilmuu.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. All that social media stuff. We're out there. Come throw us a like, a comment, a review, a rating, a subscription on your favorite podcast platform if you're into that. And if you want to write into the show and let us know what you thought about Marriage Story, what you think about stupid Ghostbusters Afterlife, or maybe if you think the torture report was pretty legit, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com and let us know what you thought. We'll read it on the air. I swear. We'll actually do it. I promise. We'll make it happen. Uh, from all of us at Offscript, thanks for listening to the show. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.